Well, today we come to a very misunderstood passage in the New Testament. And this is Jesus talking about his relationship to the law and the prophets. And if you get this wrong, you're going to get the rest of the Sermon on the Mount wrong. Uh, you may even get the entire Christian religion wrong if you don't understand what Jesus is saying here. So let's read Matthew 5, verses 17 to 20 together, and then we'll talk about it. Jesus says this, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So two common misunderstandings of this passage. Number one is that Jesus is saying here that the Old Testament is no longer relevant. Or, uh, as I would like to say, they're making fulfill mean destroy. Jesus says, I did not come to destroy, I came to fulfill. Those are two very different things. Jesus sets them in contradistinction to one another. And so when Jesus goes to the cross and fulfills all righteousness, it doesn't mean that everything that happened in the law and the prophets doesn't matter anymore. If anything, it's giving us a better new understanding of it. This is what we've seen so far in Matthew's gospel. He's quoted passages from the Old Testament and said, oh, Jesus is fulfilling this. Jesus is fulfilling this. Well, he's saying Jesus is fulfilling all of the law and all of the prophets. And it's something a little unexpected. Jesus is taking the law into himself and it's being transformed. The law is actually transfigured by Jesus. The uh, people who want to say we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, I think Andy Stanley said that. This is a really uh, dumb idea, dumb thing to say. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 clearly contradicts that. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, etc., so that the man of God may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So if you don't have an Old Testament, if you're not benefiting, learning from it, studying it, you are going to be an imperfect, immature, incomplete Christian. Because you need to read the Old Testament to understand the New Testament. And the New Testament is going to give light to how to read and interpret the Old Testament. You need both. They are in relationship to one another. The other error connected to this is actually creating what you might call a canon within the canon. These are the people who elevate what Jesus says over what, say, uh, Moses said. But if it's God's word, it's God speaking, it's all equally authoritative. Just because Jesus says it here in a gospel doesn't mean that what it says in Leviticus is, a, is of lesser value or lesser authority. Jesus is God. All of scripture is the word of God. And you could say, in a sense, all of scripture is the word of Jesus. So you can't pit one passage against another. We don't get to make some verses trump other verses just because we like these and we don't like those. No, we come to the scripture and we say, somehow, we may not understand how, but all of it harmonizes. There are no contradictions here. The contradictions are 
in us. We're, we are the contradicted people. We are the people who can't understand things correctly. So we come to the Bible with that a priori commitment. The other really common error, and this is even in some reformed circles, is that Jesus is trying to raise the bar of righteousness in his sermon so high only to prove that we can't keep it. And the goal of this would be to show us how sinful we are, that we can never keep the law, and that we need to trust Christ to be our righteousness. Now, of course, uh, we are not saved by works. We cannot be saved by law-keeping But that's not what Jesus is talking about in this passage. We cannot read our uh, Pauline justification by faith back into this passage here. What Jesus is talking about is the righteousness that people really do in real time, in real life. You could read Romans 8. When you are a Christian, when you become a Christian and receive the Holy Spirit, you are actually given the power to obey the law of God you actually can keep what Jesus would call even the least of the commandments if you have the Spirit of God in you and you're walking by faith. You're following Jesus and you're following God's law. Those are one and the same thing. The reason people get to that misinterpretation is because they look at verse 20, which says, I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And the assumption there is that the scribes and Pharisees are uber-righteous. But that, that doesn't actually jive with what the gospel says. The gospel presents the scribes and the Pharisees as the most unrighteous people in the whole book. They're actually going to commit murder. They're actually going to kill God. And so if you think that the scribes and Pharisees are super-righteous, you're not understanding this book at all. The scribes and Pharisees are unrighteous. They create these traditions that allow them to look righteous on the outside, while inside, they're dead. They're whitewashed tombs, as Jesus is going to call them. And so the bar is actually super low. For you to have a righteousness that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees isn't actually that hard. Just don't kill people. Don't commit adultery. Honor your father and mother by taking care of them in their old age. These are some of the things that Jesus is going to chastise them for. And he's going to walk through uh, these different laws, these moral laws from the law uh, and the prophets and explain how we actually break these many sin cycles that we fall into. So the righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees is a righteousness that, yes, God imputes to us and gives to us at our justification. But it's also something that we can really do in real time in this life. We are rewarded for those righteous things, but it's not like we merit uh, heaven because of those good things that we do. 